swear to God, that's a f***ing right, UFO. Right. Where is it? That camera, come on. That's an angle. Get it back. Hello, you are listening to Dark Static. Welcome back. I'm Alex Schiffer. I'm a sound designer, voiceover artist, and a writer. Uh, and this is Zach. Hey, I'm Zach Mahoney. I'm uh, also a writer, director myself. Yeah, thanks for thanks for giving us a second chance. <laughs> yeah, after uh, letting you guys all in about uh, Cannibal Holocaust, I don't, it's good that you gave us a second chance. Because yeah, if you haven't uh, watched that movie or but you listen to the show and you're like, oh, let me me give that a shot and you don't hate us, then congratulations, because it's going to be a little bit more smooth sailing from here. I'd say the films after that one are a lot more watchable, especially with uh, with our pick today, which I think are very watchable. I actually don't know your full opinions on, on it yet. Um, but before we get to this week's topic, oh, by, by the way, this is a podcast about found footage films uh, where we take deep dive into every found footage film that's been released. And that includes movies, um, some TV, video games, uh, web series, analog horror, a whole bunch of multimedia. And before we get to this week's episode on the McPherson tape and the remake of the McPherson tape uh, incident at Lake County. The actual uh, story behind this, this movie is uh, quite a, quite an interesting one. It's not as controversial as our last episode. Thank God. Yeah. We started with literally the least tasteful, <laughs> accessible movie we could possibly start with. Yeah, sorry if we alienated some of you with but we it's it sucks that we had to start there cuz I would have if it were up to me, well, I mean, it is up to me. <laughs> I would have but I wanted to do it this type of way and I wanted to start from the beginning where it made sense, but I would have totally put off the Cannibal Holocaust episode for a while just so I didn't have to talk about it. Um uh but but now done alien needing you oh yeah uh, hey oh what, 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 yeah what the mcpherson tape yeah the mcpherson tape there's a lot of good story behind this specific film uh that if you haven't seen yet it is uh if you haven't caught on to zach's amazing segue this is a alien movie um from back when people really gave a shit about air, uh, aliens i think uh, that's yeah. kind of a whole thing that I wanted to start off, you know, going into first. I think there is a few alien abduction movies in the, in the found footage catalog. Uh, this is definitely the most notable or these two movies. We are going to be talking about two movies by the way, but they're very interlinked. So I think we're going to go in and out of each, uh, interpretation, uh, pretty regularly and they're made by the same person. So it's pretty legitimate. Um, it's They're not like, almost the same exact movie. Yeah, when you watch them back to back, there's a lot different about them. Um, yeah, you know, both in the the structure, not the structure. I mean, narratively, they're both the same, but like these uh, the presentation of both films are are going to differ quite a bit. What I wanted to talk about 
first was the kind of whole alien abduction craze that it kind of go, went in and out. I'd say the 90s probably had a, a big alien abduction craze. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Excellent. Personally, like I had, like I think a lot of kids had had like a fascination with alien abductions. I loved watching like crazy alien abduction shows uh, on like the History Channel. There was Ancient Aliens actually. You're probably thinking about like Ancient Aliens, but that came that honestly came later. I think I didn't really watch a lot of Ancient Aliens, but there was always some crazy. Always, it was my dad. My dad was always watching some crazy fucking alien show alien abduction show on like the history channel and it was like i was always just sitting there watching it with him it definitely got me into sort of like an alien an abduction alien abduction craze now you know i think a lot of kids are very fascinated with with aliens in general i don't know about today's kids it's probably very different no uh, i i'm gonna get well i mean let me tell you about the youth uh, <laughs> uh i'm gonna guess that they're not in the same way. I also just feel like there was a time and place for being able to be into aliens in this way without it then becoming like a whole bunch of other things, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, absolutely. Like, cause I had like a cousin who was like, you know, super into the concept of aliens. And I still think he kind of holds on to that, um, that side of him that was like super fascinated with them. Um, like UFO abductions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think what it was at the time could only have existed at the level of technology and like definitely that, that existed like, during the nineties, basically the, the, the yeah, late 80s. Definitely. Like early internet videos about like alien sightings hit different, basically. Yeah. That That did hit different. It hit different. It did. Um, and, uh, it's where I found for the first time, the McPherson tape. I remember stumbling upon, I think I was in fifth grade or something like that. I don't know if anyone listening remembers before YouTube. Well, actually it was during like YouTube was a thing, but they weren't bought by Google yet, but Google had their own video service called Google video. And I would watch a Google video. <laughs> I would like look up like alien abduction videos specifically on Google video. And one of the videos was the entirety of the McPherson tape, but it was the remake of the McPherson tape that aired on UPN. It wasn't the original one, which is actually I've watched for the first time for this show. So it wasn't huh. that one. It was the, it was the one he made like 10 years later. Uh, for TV, which, and if you don't know the story, yes, there was an original McPherson tape that was kind of lost for a very long time. And that movie was just the McPherson tape, um, which what, which was made by Dean Aliotto, um, who directed and, and wrote both the McPherson tape and the remake incident at Lake County. And he decided to just make this movie for almost like close to fucking nothing maybe like six thousand dollars was what he was given was what he had uh to make uh to make the mcpherson tape and that movie was shown like a few times but then it was lost because the facility it was in i think burned down Mm. 
in the distribution warehouse it was in uh, burned down. But then it was found and it started going around these weird UFO abduction circles, like UFO conventions and you know, people that you know genuinely believe in UFO abductions. And it was being passed around like it was real, like it was real footage of aliens abducting a family. So it kind of gained this like I guess you would call that like a cult fan base, but people really believed it was yeah. it was it was real. It got um Alioto a lot of notoriety in in that circle. Um it got him famous enough to make an appearance on a uh, a show called Encounters and basically on that show he was like, "Yeah, I'm the director." Like I made that movie and like he completely like uh, shut down all of the uh, the fascination. I guess, like that it was uh, that it was real, um, but people still didn't believe him. Like people continued to like not believe that he was the real uh, director, and still decided that the McPherson tape was real. And after this interview, he was approached by UPN. If you remember UPN, I don't know if UPN's a thing anymore. Um, but I remember UPN. I used to watch fucking Friday Night Smackdown on UPN when I oh was a God. when I was a kid. So you could have been you could have been watching Friday Night Smackdown, and maybe you caught the. Well, I don't know if it was during this time, but yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. This is 1998. Um, but you might have caught uh, Alien Abduction Incident at Lake County, which is the remake of uh, of the McPherson tape. That was, uh, again, directed by Dean Alioto. And this time he had a much more substantial budget. He had about $1.25 million, um, which, you know, going from 6000 to $1.25 million is unreal. And 1998 money. Yeah, for ni- in 1998 money, too. Yeah, so he, he was approached to make a, a remake of it. And that's kind of what we get. So now we have these two films that kind of relate to one another. These two found footage films that are in their skeleton, they're the same. But once you watch both of them, especially like how I I watched both of them back to back, and I really liked that experience. Yeah. And by the way, when I watched this when I was a kid, you know, I thought everything was real on the internet when I was a kid. And so I watched the remake of the McPherson tape, alien abduction incident at Lake County, not knowing what it was. And a lot of it was completely real. And I didn't understand what it was until years and years later, honestly, 2019, 2019, when all of this stuff about the McPherson tape came out, um, because the film was finally screened. The original film was finally screened at, uh, at I think Fantastic Fest 2019. So you, so you just held this in like somewhere in your head as like a weird thing that you saw when you yeah. were a kid. Yeah, and then no. when I started reading about it, like, oh, this movie premiered, uh, this lost found footage film premiered at Fantastic Fest, and I was like, oh, cool, what is it? And I'm looking about, I'm looking oh. at it, I'm reading about it. And I'm slowly beginning to realize that this is that video that I watched on Google wow. Video when I was a kid. It yeah. like unlocked something in me. 
That's so weird. It's crazy. My first reaction to all of this is like, that's, this is wild that it has this much history behind it because I had literally never heard of this movie before until you said we were going to watch it yeah. for the show. And uh, it is notable that like this type of thing happened and it predates the um, Blair Witch phenomena because this is basically that. But It does, yeah. Uh, I guess on a more niche scale because it doesn't go beyond like um, UFO enthusiasts. But back in the 90s, that was like, I think, a bigger part of the population than at least in America than it is today. It was definitely a bigger cultural phenomena. Whereas now, like UFO documents get released all the time and people are like, we don't give a shit. We don't care. Show (laughs) us. Yeah, we don't care. Like, show us a fucking you know show us an alien or i'm not like we're not dealing with it you're you're totally it. they they did at one point they tried to do some sort of leak on aliens like uh when was that at the beginning of 2020 or something like that or yeah like it was right like during they- covid it was during like the lockdowns and I, I guess the government decided like now is a better time than like no one's doing anything now is a better time than ever to release all this ufo stuff and then people are like we need a vaccine. <laughs> we don't like take all this alien shit and shove it up your ass. We don't need it right now. There was a time and a place. Time and a place. <laughs> wow, innocence lost. Definitely. Damn. As as you said before, Zach, this predates Blair Witch. Still, in every found footage film that we're going to talk about, at least in these first like crop of episodes. There is going to be some sort of story behind it, which I think is really interesting because this is kind of before the studios, the you know big studio system really gets their paws on uh, on, you know, the found footage craze or, you know, the, the found footage craze hasn't really started yeah. yet. There's kind of just these little films that have cool stories around them or very controversial ones uh, regarding cannibal Holocaust. Um I, you know, and they're really interesting. Like even Blair, like Blair Witch has an awesome story about it too. And we'll, we'll definitely talk, you know, that episode's going to be awesome. But, you know, for this one, uh, I think the story behind, um, the McPherson tape is, is, is definitely a, a very enlightening one. Um, just about, uh, one guy basically, uh, him just kind of, you know, wanting to make an, uh, alien abduction movie with whatever he yeah. had and it getting picked up, uh, for a TV special and also gaining this niche fan base, you know, it is still like a kind of a a funny story. And these are kind of going to be the last of the funny story found footage films that, uh, that happen on this show. Cause once we get around Uh, the two thousands, it's going to get a little more bleak. Let's say, Oh really? (laughs) Not to say that cannibal Holocaust wasn't bleak. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, yeah, we've been, so far so Blake is in like a greedy yeah (laughs) it's in like a greedy way (laughs) anyway uh zach we'll we'll start off with yeah zach what did you all around opinions on on what you thought about uh both mcpherson tape and uh and alien abduction uh incident at lake county yeah um and you know i get i'll I'll, I'll probably end up peppering my opinions as we, we talk about it a little bit more but at first i thought I wasn't going to have a lot to say about it because it is like a really bare bones. Yeah. It's simple. 
basics, just like Mama used to make, <laughs> like movie movie. It's interesting, like the the unique flavor of the movie, prob- feels less unique in the year twenty twenty two than it probably did when it came out. I mean, people thought it was real and it was used as a tool to, uh, I guess, recreate the um, War of the Worlds story. Yeah. Um, or, or that that occurrence that it was almost like um, their Cla- attempt to recreate that sort of um, yeah the the classic like, alien invasion story yeah or well specifically where uh, you know people tuned in halfway apparently to this War of the Worlds reading over the live radio and thought yeah. that they were listening into a real alien invasion story but uh, the the original movie is like it's kind of not great. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 I had fun watching it, but as a movie, I mean, the remake is superior, but also it's hard to go back and watch them as films because they don't quite have, if you don't have the context or the nostalgia and you're not living in the 90s without the internet, mm-hmm. then you know you're, what you're just watching is a found footage movie. And without that hook of, without you thinking that it's real, without you thinking that you're tuning into UPN and you're just seeing <laughs> family being assaulted. Right after Friday um, Night Smackdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like literally like, just in between global news, it is just kind of like a very typical movie. And it kind of has a, a, a poor sense of pacing too, I felt like. And these, like are, short, it, these are short movies. The first one is like literally just one hour. Yeah. And they feel like they last a while because most of it Mm -hmm. is just people sort of um, playing the improv game. And it's made to look like I can't tell if it's if it's made to look like one shot or if it literally one shot. The first one is Uh, one shot. The first one is one shot. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because as you watch it you can feel the actors playing the improv game and trying to like, yes, and each other. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is that when they try to sustain that for like an hour straight, they don't know what things to exclude and what things not to in the middle of a conversation. And there's no way to cut it out because it's all one take. So they'll just end up expounding upon like background details about the family. Like, Oh, it must be harder ever since your husband died. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And in the remake, they, you know, there's a similar line where he's like, oh, I wish, I wish you'd wish dad was your dad. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wish alive. dad was here. It's like, this is not a way that like people talk to each other, but because they're doing one take and it was improv and they were just trying to add a little bit of character they're screwed. Like they have to include it because there's no way to cut. So as a movie, it has these like odd moments where in any other movie you would just cut it out. And even in modern found footage, they don't really have that, those kind of extra rough edges. Yeah. They can just trim it off. Surprisingly for like a lot of found footage movies that are supposed to be, you know, a bigger illusion of realism than your, you know, bog standard fictional traditional narrative editing is still uh very important and uh at least you know speaking for the first one it's it's funny that that's something i could use because i think i was talking about last time how some like heavy editing in found footage can be very 
very noticeable and take you out. And you always feel like most found footage should be one take, but you you watch something like the original McPherson tape and you kind of see, uh, you know, there's still that's not always the case. You know, there's still seams uh, that are that are very noticeable, even without a huge amount of editing. Yeah. Like, I mean, even um, the previous movie, Cannibal Holocaust, when you get to the found footage stuff um, that is edited, that they 100 percent, you know, time jump and um, yeah. skip around. They get to the point a lot. Yeah, they get in in Cannibal Holocaust specifically. It's more like get to the point, get to the point. It's always getting to the point, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and to that, to that, like, and see how back then this was still a new thing and they were experimenting. And the point was, we want to convince people that this is real. Whereas Mm -hmm. now nobody's saying that about a found footage. No, they, everybody knows it's a movie. Um, so they're just trying to make a movie. Um, back then, they were saying, "Okay, what are all the things we can do to make this feel like we actually, you know, found this tape somewhere and we're showing it to you?" Yeah, it's more uh, about the gimmick so, than it is the the actual technique. Right. Exactly. So, so you have this like form of naturalism that I think like now you would say. It's very expected and kind of cliche, but back then it was probably super convincing because nobody had seen, you know, at least in mainstream culture, we had not seen that form of acting and that form of like dialogue yeah. in a film. And so if somebody had just stumbled upon it, basically no way they would think that this was a movie because mo- no movies looked like that. No movies had actors speak in that way even though now it's super obvious that like, super so common much is. Uh, yeah. but yeah like, like the overlapping dialogue too like they're constantly talking over each other oh like, yeah well so i mean that kind of gets to my my whole uh thing about these movies i this is actually going to be pretty interesting because i think in some ways i prefer the first over the second i prefer the original over cool. the remake um, and it's for a couple of different reasons, you know, bridging off of what you were said, what you were getting at about the overlapping dialogue. Um, I constantly feel like that's how, and you know, how natural the dialogue is. And if you don't like kind of, you know, uh, introducing like what the actual setup is, everyone's at, it's a thanks. It's basically like a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, someone is yeah. recording their Thanksgiving dinner and that leads into, alien stuff that happens what i like i think the most about the first one about the original movie is that the dialogue yes it overlaps sometimes you can't even like make out what people are saying like the you know the mic quality is fine like you can hear what most people are saying but you you can never like easily focus in on on different uh parts of the dialogue it's really not that easy and it all kind of comes off as white noise and that part I, I actually appreciate because I feel like when you're at uh, you know, the, these types of family gatherings, that is kind of how people uh, interact. Um, at least, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of familiar to me, at least. Um, you know, family members always talking over each other and talking about different things. In the first one, it's a lot more natural to me, I, I feel, because... 
what the characters are talking about, even in like, even like well beyond the introduction of the aliens and, you know, the main setup of the film, there is a lot of talking about nothing in the first movie. Mm. Like I remember in a lot of different, like there's so many instances in the first movie in the McPherson tape where they, you know, they, they worry and worry and worry about, you know, what the aliens are going to do. It's like, Oh, I saw one over there. I saw one of the, you know, Oh, they're coming in, they're coming in. But then there's a lull in the first film and they'll get and back so to like, real quick? I'm not yeah. sure if it's worth mentioning. Like the movie is literally like people are at a dinner. A couple of them go for a walk and they see a spaceship. Yes. They see a spaceship and they are basically it. It becomes a siege movie. Yeah. After that, um, with the, with the aliens trying to, to break and they're messing with them, which is all of that stuff is done better in the second movie. And we'll get to that. Um, in the first movie, yeah. it's very more about, I, I'd say the first movie, it's more about presenting all the events as a real thing. Mm. Whereas in the yeah. second movie, it's more about presenting it as a movie, presenting it as, you know, uh, it's almost like the, uh, the second, the remake is a fictionalized version of the first movie. That's also fictionalized. Um, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So what I was kind of getting at was like, you know, in, in in the first movie, you you have the family members like it always comes back to, um, and they do this in the, in the remake too. But they always keep trying to play cards with each other. Like they keep trying to forget about what's happening, and they just try going back mm-hmm. to playing cards. And that happens a couple times in the film. And you get like a lot of imp- like you can feel the dialogue is very improvised. Um, but it comes off. I, I feel like it comes off pretty well because it it sounds like how your family might interact with you like and they talk to the camera and they'll be like oh how are you doing in school like oh anyway anyway i uh, forget about that how, how are you doing in school and stuff like that and it's like oh yeah. that you know that's kind of I, I feel like that that brings me in a little bit it brings me into the world a bit uh, uh the world right. of the film a bit more uh then in the second film which is a lot more staged i feel oh um, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah that should be kind of <laughs> obvious it is definitely not stages in like uh, oh it's fake like yeah of course it's fake but i mean staged is in like the traditional sense like every movie you yeah. see is staged like you know one person has you know a line of dialogue and then another and then there's a beat and then another person has a line of dialogue and that's kind of how the like, second movie plays closer to a semblance of like they're trying to put together character arcs like they, they yes you know what one of the major threads is that one of the family members has a boyfriend who's black yes and they brought her home and then the husband had or, or her um i believe it's her dad uh, 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 they're all brothers the brother. dad of the family is is passed on oh right sorry no so it's the older it's the older brother i believe has an issue with that. Um, yeah. And that kind of plays into sort of there's, him becoming more aggressive as the movie goes on. But yeah, like there's, that, fa- that there's actual movie. family drama in the second one. Whereas in the first, it's just like, this is a regular family. And then the remake, it's got to be like, this is the most interesting family in the world. Yeah. Like, like too much happens. Yeah. To, too much, too much is happening with the family to, to, to really like be considered like, 
to have you ever like consider that this is a real tape, you know, whereas in the first, like, obviously you're not going to think that's the, when you see this now, it's like, obviously you're not going to think this is a real tape, but it definitely well, like treats itself like it is. Um, which is why I, I think I appreciate it artistically a bit more. I can see that. I, I guess my only issue is I, I agree. Like the first movie is more convincing, but I still just can't. I it is like still very being. bare bones. Um, well, it's bare bones, but also I still, even though it's more convincing, it's still not. I, I think I had this thought while I was watching that, like it's because of the internet that this can't work anymore because <laughs> yeah, uh, we have just seen back then this movie is presented as like a home video that they're recording. Right. And they don't have cell phones or anything like that. And if you think about the amount of times that people were, you know, on average exposed to video content, like they probably took that home videotape out of the basement, like twice, uh, you know, every few years or whatever, like they they barely look at that thing. Right. I think most people, it's just a, a very, once every 10 years thing you you like go into the basement and pull out dust you know pull out your old dusty uh uh home videotapes and then pop them in the vhs player yeah now we're so exposed to we've literally watched like thousands of smartphone videos that are both real and staged and our ability to detect what is BS and what isn't is like way higher because we know exactly what real people talking on the camera sound like. Yeah. Don't get me started uh, on paranormal that, TikTok. Paranormal, yes, yeah, because that's that's it's all like they're, they're doing the same thing, but it can't it can't work anymore because back then, I don't know how often somebody in the '90s without a cell phone was exposed to real footage of someone talking, so they probably didn't have you know, a frame of reference the same way that we do. Yeah. Um, where we immediately look at this and go on just like a primal level. Like this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. Whereas other people are like, wow, they're not talking anything like, uh, the guys in the Godfather, <laughs> you know, like this, this must be real. Like, um, it, it probably felt more right to them because they weren't like as immediately familiar with what like real footage feels like. Mm hmm. Uh, because they literally consumed less of it. That was, yeah, that was my yeah. Opinion. They were less plugged uh, in. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I see where you're coming from with that. Um, I I will say I I think there is a an endearing amateur quality to the second that to the first uh, to the McPherson tape yeah. that isn't really in the second one. Um, there's still a little bit of sincerity in the. In the in the in the in a, in incident at Lake County, but uh, the first one definitely I think better realizes it, um, especially with the with the camera. And I think it's a better so in the in the McPherson tape, the camera is straight up a can't like a camcorder you would find anywhere. I think uh, it was very common for the time, um, so it it really does just look like anyone's home videotape uh the first one the second one is a little bit cleaner the audio is a little too clear and that doesn't like take you out or anything but it's something that when you watch the both movies back to back that is something that you do uh catch on but something in the first film 
this predates, uh, at least the McPherson tape predates Blair Witch. And one of the best things about the Blair Witch Project, and we'll get more into that in that episode, um, is the the fact that the camera isn't really ever pointed at anything very interesting. Um, all you hear is audio yeah. cues about like, oh my God, what is that? What is that? Oh my God, stop. Like, yeah. And to me, that is a little bit more scary. Like that's more, that's scarier to me than showing, like pointing the camera at something, you know, like a guy in makeup or, uh, you know, in this case, I mean, well, the aliens themselves are very like your, your generic green aliens, which, uh, they look kind of funny. Um, yeah. I, sorry. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, cause I think, I think you're a good point and I, I totally agree, but, now that you've mentioned the aliens, I just have to say that when I got to the part where they see the spaceship. Yeah. In which one? They, uh, in the first one. Uh-huh. I mean, they're both not. Not the great. best. Yeah. But <laughs> not, the, not the best. I just, I just was, I, I was like, ah, people thought this was real. That's wild because <laughs> literally a, an alien dude, like a little man, <laughs> like a guy, which is just like a kid, <laughs> like a, which is just like a kid in a suit, basically. Yeah. Like a kid in a suit walks out and it, it's like the most alien ass alien. Like, like, like think of an seen. think of an alien in your head, and that's what these are. Picture um, the Lisa Frank coloring, <laughs> and then you go to like one of the pages, and it's like an alien and a UFO that you can color in. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. it. Which they that's do it. like in the first movie. Uh, they show like one of the like biggest plot points is like. The, the kid is drawing the aliens and it's literally like they, they look at it and they're like, Oh my God, like, where did you get this? And the drawing is literally like alien, like green alien with black eyes. And that like your whole description of what you perceive an alien to be like, when you think of an alien in your head, that's what you think of. Like the classic green little alien guy. It's, it looks funny. Like it's looks super super dated but uh still funny like it's still you know pretty endearing to me in the yeah. first oh. one it's we're in in the first one it's a little bit uh you know they don't show them a whole they show them a, definitely a lot more in the second one but they still use them sparingly in both they don't really call attention to themselves ever. And again, like I said, in the first one, the camera is never really pointed at anything interesting anyway. So aside from like the beginning where they go out, uh, where they go outside and see the spaceship for the first time. And then at the end where they, well, there is that scene in the middle where um, they shoot one and bring it inside. And you kind of see a little bit, you, you just see like a thing in a blanket. Like it's, you can't really see a whole lot of it. And so that, and then at the end of McPherson tape, when they walk through the door um, and it kind of just cuts. And in the second one, you see a little bit more of them. Like there's the one outside the window. There's the one they see in the attic, I think, or one of the bedrooms and uh, the upstairs. Mm. 
uh, that they shoot at through the door. I like that whole sequence, by the way. Um, but yeah, kind of getting to like a scene by scene basis. There's a lot more notable things that happen in the in the second movie in the remake than in the uh, than in the first. The second is definitely played up to a bigger audience. Um, so there's a lot more action going on and a lot more things happening at once, even though in the first, a lot of people are just talking over each other. And it seems like there's like this aura of a lot of stuff happening, but there's a lot of voices and screams going on. Um, and I think that's all done very well. And the second, again, like I said, it's all very staged. It's all traditional dialogue. And in the remake, it's a more traditionally, you know, set up storyline. So, you know, the movie begins in the remake and, uh, you know, everyone kind of has their own personality. Whereas in the first one, everyone's just kind of like a family and just kind of regular people. But this family again has to be like the most interesting family in the world. So you get di- you get weird dialogue like, "Man, I wish Pa Pa were here," or uh, and stuff like that. Or uh, oh, I heard uh, um, Mel's bringing a a black boyfriend over or something like that. And it's like, oh man, uh, the writing isn't the best, and the acting also isn't the best. There's also like a scene where the brother peeps Kurt. Will you put that shotgun down and come down? Come sit down and eat is the line. (laughs) There is some, there's some great lines. There's also one of my favorite lines in the, in the second one is uh, I think the mother's like accusing them of being high. And then one of the brother, Brian, one of the brothers is like, we are not his, like his delivery is so funny. He's like, we are not high. He sounds like that. <laughs> um the, the entire vibe is immediately different from from the first it, you know there's even like a scene where uh in the beginning where the uh the cameraman is you know the guy holding the camera is uh uh spying on his his uh his older brother who's like making out with his girlfriend in the bathroom and it's like and the, the point, like, you better delete that. Uh, you get one of those scenes, which there are going to be a ton of scenes like that in the future um, uh, with some of these movies. Um, so, yeah, um, immediately the whole vibe of the of the uh, of the remake is so different. Um, and it gets co- and so more stuff actually does happen. Um like there's a lot more visual effect or, or a lot more special effects and the special. And since it is UPN, um, the special effects were actually done by the same people who uh, worked on the X files, which is kind oh, of really? funny because a lot of the special effects in, in, uh, in the remake are, are just like, you know, the aliens have laser pointers and they're supposed to be like heat rays. Um, uh, which is always like, which is like always a funny effect. Um, but actually like some of the production design, like the melted uh, car, like the me- melted car engine and the melted uh, shotgun, yeah, I think are pretty well done. There's also a scene where uh, like all the lights, obviously all the lights go out. Um, and then there's this high pitched squeal and then things are like blasting off around them. Like things are like short circuiting and I thought that was pretty well done. And yeah, there's definitely a lot more uh, like 
action, like interesting, like action that happens uh, in, in the uh, in the film. Right. It does feel like in the remake they were able to come up with some cool concepts for like alien stuff. Like some of my favorites were. Um, well, actually, it's not even a matter of budget. Sometimes it's some of the some of them are just like cool concepts. Uh, yeah, they had like, a lot more fun with this one. I feel the like the heat ray gun you were talking about is kind of terrifying because usually you actually don't see the aliens using it when people are being hurt by it. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like they're just in the house hanging out and then all of a sudden like their hand starts burning or something. Yeah. Um, or there's that scene, and, the scene at the end where they're the backs of their necks start burning. Like, yeah. All of them do that. Yeah. It's super unnerving. Like this idea that they're just like frying them from outside the house like it's just passing through the walls of the house and like yeah it's just kind of like deep frying these people um or right. at one point the dad is like kind of waving the shotgun around or, or sorry not the dad the brother is Older waving brother, the shotgun yeah. around you're, you're you know he's getting ready to take on the aliens and at one point he puts it down he comes to the table and he leaves it for a little bit but then the camera stays with uh the gun in the room and the younger, the little, there's a little girl yeah, who yeah. starts to unload the gun um, because she's getting like, you can kind of interpret through just the acting and the way that she has been acting um, in the last scene that she's getting like a subliminal message, basically. Yeah, she's being like mind like, controlled in some way. Uh, yeah, by the aliens. Uh, that kid, the kid in the second movie is a lot more annoying than in the first than the kid in the first movie. They're both like the oh, same yeah. character, but the performance of the girl in the second movie is a lot more annoying. <laughs> I think it's just the yeah. voice. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought that was a cool uh, concept. Like, oh, how are they? How's the family going to get out of this one? Where it's uh, oh, one of the. The ways that the the aliens have figured out how to dismantle them is by getting the little girl to unload the yeah. gun without anybody knowing that the gun. That's actually one of my favorite parts too, because it's very apparent in the second movie, uh, especially that there is kind of there was no chance for this family. Um, yeah, and the aliens had complete control over the situation at every at every given moment, uh, which is pretty terrifying. Um, and both in both, ver- I, I think both versions of the movie are very bleak, but the second one especially is a lot more bleak, uh, especially with, uh, the interpretation, you know, uh, both of their endings, uh, which in the first one, it kind of just ends like when the aliens finally do enter the house and just kind of walk in and the camera cuts, um, cuts to black. And then there's a little bit more that happens in the second one where you know it ends the same way like the whole family's playing go fish and then the uh aliens enter but there's a lot more commotion at the end until until they all just decide to give up and leave uh with with the aliens uh which is a pretty it's a pretty like sad note to end the movie on um yeah but uh definitely i think definitely effective i think definitely uh pretty effective yeah, no, I, and I mean this—the scene right before is like the kid 
who's recording everything or the younger brother like breaking down in a bathroom like yeah. crying. He um, actually gave a good performance. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I can't imagine seeing this like that on UPN. Because <laughs> like, that's that's where it definitely gets me. Where like the the one thing that the remake definitely has uh, in terms of believability is that there's like an official source telling you that this is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and how are you going to disagree with you, like you know UPN? But um. How are you going to disagree wanna... with VPN? <laughs> or I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess why would <laughs> you know? Why wouldn't you believe uh, anything that happens on VPN? Yeah, I trust everything that the news tells me all the time. Um, no matter the station. Um, <laughs> there, there are but, parts though. Uh, I would say, like, you know, I, I've I've been very positive. I, I think about uh, about both films in, in general. Um, uh, but I think definitely in the second film, in the in the remake, there's a lot more just ridiculous things to get through. The first one that comes to mind is uh, the scene where the, one of the boyfriends is making out with uh, the other guy's wife, and he's like, "I thought I thought that was you." Um, and <laughs> I just thought that whole scene was ridiculous, being like, "Oh, they're see, they're still fucking with us," and it's like, "You could like, why did you include that?" That that seemed to yeah. me was pretty ridiculous, but I mean, other than that, there isn't a lot of bad. I mean, just like the performances in general, the way dialogue is delivered is very jarring when you're comparing it to the first one. Also, in the second one, in the remake, there are these awful, awful, uh, <laughs> just completely <laughs> fucking disastrous cutaway segments uh, that make it I seem like a. Yeah, yeah. That make it seem like a documentary. So they cut away to like the county sheriff, um, which who says like pretty much nothing. And then then it cuts to like a visual effects artist that is actually, as I find it, is Alioto himself um, is playing the visual effects artist. And he's like, so it's funny to see like, yeah, dude, like I'm a visual effects artist, but I've never seen anything like this. Like this is all real. Uh, there's no visual effects in these in in this film at all, which is really funny. But then there's one that's this musician, this like British I... rock musician, and he's like, "Man, you see something like that on TV, and it just it just messes with you, bruv." And I'm like, "What? Why did you include that?" I I wrote I have a note about <laughs> this specific guy. Yeah. I guess his name is Julian Bond because that's what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as he started talking, all I could think of was this one drama bit where in my head, all I could hear was, oh, I said, that's the number one record. Which, <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, I like know, I know what that, I know, like, I know what that is, uh, but I can't put my finger on the scene and who says it. Since I was 10 years old, that's been living in my head. Just Phil strums out this tune, yeah? <laughs> I said to him, I said to him, that's a number one record. That's just like, that's my, I, like, my go-to uh, <laughs> way of envisioning what like pretentious 70s douchebag 
like British, yeah, like British rocker would would sound like. Yeah, and uh, th- that's basically like who this is. And I don't know why they include him. It's like you're interviewing Sting and you ask him about the Bud Dwyer tape. <laughs> like that's what this is. Yeah, wait, uh, yeah. why? Are uh, yeah, I'm, I say it's on TV, and it's just it's it was it's just messed with me, bro. <laughs> why did they interview him? Was there? I don't know. I don't know why that? any. I don't know why any of this is in the actual film. It's really bad. Yeah, like it terrible. really distra- and it, it like like the movie will freeze, like will pause at very like distinct moments, uh, where like the most is happening at, at you know at that moment. And it'll cut away to to one of these interviews that just completely are completely asinine and take you out of the entire experience. Yeah, it's it's weird. But yeah, moving on from that, uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say about those interview segments. I just think they're fucking hilarious. They're really funny. No, I, I, I do wonder if they worked on people. I don't know. Like that part, I don't know how you can fucking be fooled by that like those especially like the way they perform like the visual of like Alioto playing the visual effects artist being like yeah man that's all real and and uh uh the fucking british rocker guy like i can't i i don't know how that fooled anyone <laughs> no i yeah i my only thought is like maybe if it was on a tube tv and it was like <laughs> super crappy quality and you were watching uh, it a sleepover with your friends yeah, and you had you were already like half in the bag. Like you were like basically You're watching it with out. one eye open. Yeah. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like that I was actually like that the other night. I don't know if you've watched Cursed Films on Shudder. Yeah. The other night, uh so season two just aired and the first episode was about the Wizard of Oz. And I was like I was watching it like half asleep and I woke up, I like, I think I dozed off for a moment. And I woke up to the part where they're talking about the hanging munchkin. And all I could think about was like, and the way they were like talking about it, I was like, yeah, they def that definitely happened. <laughs> I, I was so delirious where I was like, wow, I can't believe that munchkin just hung himself. <laughs> so yeah, if you're watching the McPherson tape or uh incident uh, in Lake County, you might you might believe uh what you're what you're watching um but anyway you know is there any is there anything else that you kind of want to say because i think i feel like i i kind of got it all i i think i got it all out i think i kind of said what i needed to say about uh these these films uh you know i i like i like them in pretty endearing ways but i think i agree with you uh in in the fact that like as standalone films themselves they don't hold a lot of merit but i do respect the hell out of Alioto for just kind of, you know, filming what he wanted to film and, you know, getting and, you know, it leading to, you know, some sort of uh, success. Yeah, no, I, cause it feels like he's been pretty upfront from what I've read that like, he was just trying to make a movie uh, with no budget. And this was like a good way to do it. Um, and he didn't really intend for it to, get lost then found and take on this status and he's pretty much always said like this isn't real this is like this is a creation and i actually i think the i don't know if this is it was like when it aired but the remake does end with 
credits. Yeah. So yeah, the McPherson tape doesn't end with credits. I guess maybe people don't watch all the way. Although if you think it's real, I don't know how you don't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I guess once you've decided, you've decided, I don't know, but like when the credits start rolling and it says, you know, Dean Aliado as VFX supervisor, and he's also the director. I don't know. It's just, it's super, I mean, it, it is a super fascinating view into the conspiratorial mind. And at least like a more innocent way where, oh yeah, you know, just people wanting to believe that like the universe is big and there's weird aliens yeah. and creatures. Out there Basically like people that really like X-Files that are actually like, you know, that, you know, like the truth is really out there, you know? Yeah. Basically all the, yeah. all the molders of the world. Yes. Yeah. All the molders who could watch this and see the like spirit Halloween aliens walk out <laughs> of the like retro spaceship and go like, oh my god, they're finally here. Like not not a not they don't miss a beat. Like No, no, I think I think that's all it said. I mean this this movie was pretty like it makes sense this is this is one of the early ones. Yeah. It feels really like simple. And yeah, whereas you know, Cannibal Holocaust was a very unique experience, you know, not just because of like the controversy and you know the actual content of the, of the well, yeah, the actual like content of the film, but you know, just because of its structure and you know how it like, you know, one part of it is you know the live action, the other part is like the is the actual found footage part. Um, whereas this, you kind of get into familiar territory, you know something like cannibal holocaust that's not a movie that you're ever going to see ever again where you've probably seen a lot of movies like the mcpherson tape but i think the amateurish quality and the you know brings a you know level of the sincerity of it that a lot of other films can't replicate and yeah i i do think it's worth watching i do think both of them are worth watching especially since they're both free on you know you can watch them on youtube uh, and you know, they're easy yeah. movies to just kind of sit back and, and watch and, and have a good time with, I think, you know, especially if you're watching, especially the second one too, the first one, I don't know, uh, you know, it, even though I, I, I respect it a lot more on a, on an artistic level, I think the, uh, their remake is the one that's pure entertainment to me. So yeah, yeah uh, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the McPherson tape and, uh, alien abduction incident in Lake County. Um, you have any any last thoughts about it? No, I, I mean, I wish we could go back. I wish we could go back to a simpler time. I wish we could go back. Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, next week on the show, you might be thinking we're gonna jump straight to Blair Witch, uh, the Blair Witch Project, but um, there's another movie. There's another uh, movie in between. I'm gonna try to sandwich in between. You ever hear of the last broadcast, Zach? This one I do know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna cover. We're gonna cover the last broadcast. I can't wait for that. All right. As always, thanks for listening. Um, this has been Dark Static episode two. Um, Zach, you got anything to plug? No. Um, I have an <laughs> escape room that's opening that actually uh, has uh, maybe a room. That has a lot to do with the 90s and potentially UFOs. Um, 
minute. But yeah, I, I do have an escape room business that's opening up in Rochester, New York. The McPherson tape experience. Get, get the fork out. So, you know, if you ever wanted to live inside of the McPherson tape and experience it <laughs> yourself, um, we might be able to accommodate you. Where can people find out the, more about that? Uh, I think if you just search right now, there. well, I don't know when this podcast is going out. Right now, as of recording time, a year from the now. business has not launched. But uh, we are hoping by early summer of this year, 2022, that it will be open and uh, you, you can find it. I mean, you would just be able to type in, get the fork, fork out or GTFO escape rooms, maybe throw in Rochester, New York, uh, and it should come up. We will have a LinkedIn and Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so if you live in like the greater Rochester Finger Lakes area, or you find yourself coming through, you should maybe maybe plan an escape room sometime with friends, family, corporate outing, you know, team building thing. You know, I've never done one of those things. Never done one of them? I've never done them, though. I've always wanted to. Fun, yeah. I mean, if you get a bunch of people together. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that next time you're here? We'll do that next time you're here. I think that's a great idea. I bet New oh, York yeah. has uh, a lot of great ones. Oh, yeah. They're all really expensive, though, I think. Oh, awesome. Great. I mean, yeah, just like New York, York yeah. I uh, mean, it's high quality, but we're not going to. We're not going to. Hell gonna, yeah. Hell yeah. Like, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Schiffer Audio. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd, too, uh, also at Schiffer Audio, if you like. I also have, uh, you know, I have other podcasts, too. I have, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, um, I have an entire audio fiction uh, library. I'm actually getting a website set up soon that can just link you to all the uh, shows that I've worked on. Uh, right now, uh, completely finished is uh, Inheritance, uh, part of the Ash Falls universe. And you can look for that wherever your podcast can be found. I also have a, a show on Audible called Stillwater Bay uh, that you can uh, find uh, on Audible as well. Um, there are currently five episodes out with a sixth episode, sixth episode coming out pretty soon. Um, anything else I should plug? Uh, major Hi-Fi, I guess. Like... Uh, Reviews on audio gear. If you're an audiophile, I review a lot of uh, headphones, IEMs, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and of course, the podcast, Dark Static. Once it's out, go on. You can uh, give us a give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Let us know what you think about this show. Give us a comment. Uh, it'll definitely help us out a lot. Uh, on Spotify, too. I think Spotify has a rating system now, too. Uh, you can rate us five stars. That would be... That would be great. That would be very, very nice of you guys. Uh, But yes, thank you so much. Again, this is Dark Static. Join us next time for episode three on the last broadcast. Thanks again.